man. I think my ponytail's too tight. Looks good. Yeah, but it's like hurting my head. Is that? We'll take it out. Thank you. <laughs> I thought you would think I was a disgusting creature. I didn't blow dry my hair yesterday, so my hair's just. Did you say blow job? Yeah, I definitely said blow job my hair, Josephine. Sometimes context doesn't help. Um, blow dry my hair yesterday. You didn't? No. So you... it, this is just an air dry. It looks fantastic. Thank you. What are you worried about? I'm not. Oh. I'm letting you know to be free and to be yourself and let your hair hang low. I haven't washed my hair now in 12 days. Oh, my God. <laughs> Josephine. How are you? I'm great. How are you? So well. Excellent. Just you look great. A, oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh. Huh. You've never great. said that before. Haven't I? Never. In my life I have told you you, never you look great many, many times. <laughs> probably a day. <laughs> yeah, probably. Hi, everyone. This is my favourite musical, the podcast. That's Ruth. <laughs> That's Josephine. We are your hosts today. This is a podcast about musicals. Yeah, correct. In case you didn't know, yeah. that we just talk about musicals. And other random shit. Yeah, yeah. But not much random shit. We have a format, we stick to it. We don't even chatter much, do we, Ruth? We're all business. <laughs> that was a threat. She was threatening me, guys. Because <laughs> I know the shit that you've got planned for me this episode. I could, and I, I want to get through it. I could see it in her eyes. Yeah. I'm the not, threat. I'm almost not having it today. Like I uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Cool. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited for you to you've not. You've got have this it. like gleeful, like Machiavellian look in your eye. Yeah, I do. I've okay, so I've positioned my chair so my butt is like off like it's a big it's a piano stool right that I'm sitting on. Yeah. But like you could sit two people on the stool and some for some reason I'm on the very extremity of the stool, like so that half my butt cheek is off it. Don't I, do that. I don't know why. You should readjust yourself. I'm gonna fix it right now. Okay. Hold please. Oh, that's heaps better. Yeah. Do you know what I notice when I drive my car? Yeah. I lean my body to the left like quite a lot. Oh, why does that? Do you reckon? Do I? Is it a spine thing? I don't have an answer for you, and can I'm not you, an expert. Can you have a think about it? Get back to me. Okay, I will. Yeah. Or if anyone's listening and you are an expert, please let us know. Yeah, it's just like a slight lean to the left. Hmm. hmm. Do you chew more on one side of your mouth than the other? I do, but that's because I've I'm missing a molar on yeah. one side. So am I. Which oh, side? My right side. Same. Oh, up or the top or the bottom? Bottom. Me too. <laughs> the second back one. We're so cute. It was one's yours. When you, oh, it's the back back one. Oh, okay. When you got yours out, did you also get a dry socket like me? No, but Fuck, you did. That was what, bad. I remember when I got mine out. Although I don't think we quite realised how similar spots they were. Yeah, I didn't realise at the time. You were just like, "Have you got dry socket? It's the worst thing in the world." No, I didn't get it. Luckily, yeah, man, that shit's. Terrible. The uh, the um the stitches affected me a lot more than the actual like having the stitches and yeah. being able to feel them. Yeah. I found awful. Well, I yours... hope this isn't like disgusting anyone listening to oh, it. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> this is my favorite musical. <laughs> Ruth, it's episode twenty nine. It is. My God. My God. I know. I, every I think every single episode we say that as if like who knew we'd be here. Yeah. Amazing. Who knew that after episode twenty eight comes episode twenty nine, <laughs> and yet here we are. Here we are. Uh, so for for you. You at home, 
the way that this works is that we each choose a musical that we love very much and we talk about that on this podcast. Before we get into that, we talk about some other things. For example, we talk about uh, those marginalised in theatre and the, their contributions to the our world. We talk about some... Uh, recommendations. Recommendations that we have. Things we to also, watch or listen. And we also talk about like... Theatre terms that maybe you've heard but you don't understand or that maybe you know a little bit about or maybe you've never heard about before. Particularly like the history of those terms I found yeah. really interesting personally, like yeah, when we research them. Yeah, etc. And also we always start off if we've got any apologies. Yeah, do you have any? I don't. Me neither. Excellent. We are perfect. We are. Uh, <laughs> what's your spotlight? So mine's another follow-up to a previous spotlight. Is it the Shuffle Along spotlight? It is. Nice. Did you read this headline also? No. Oh, okay. Um, so w- when I covered Shuffle Along however long ago yeah. um, as my spotlight, I mentioned that there was a lawsuit that um, was brought against, well, basically the producers of Shuffle Along tried to. The original to, Shuffle yeah. Along we're talking oh, about. No. You're talking about Shuffle Along oh, and sorry. the. You are right. two different things. I am, I am shortening that name to the 2017 Broadway show that was about yes. the musical from yes. 1928. 20, 20, 28? 27, maybe? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, something. Um, so, I, yes, I'm talking about the 2017 show. Got it. That Scott Rudin produced. Yes. And Audra McDonald was In. one of the stars of. Yes. And um, essentially what happened was she got pregnant. Um, sort of surprisingly because she was 45 and it was like kind of out of nowhere. Yeah. And uh, the producers of the show claimed on their insurance with Lloyds of London to say that Audra McDonald's pregnancy caused the closing of the show and that it was considered an accident or um, illness as far as their insurance um, that they had out on her uh, was concerned. So that um, case has been going along for four years um, since that happened. Time. It is a long time. And just this um, recently it's been what, so the, the, I think the legal term is it's been dropped, which means most likely there was Someone's an out-of-court settlement yeah. that we don't know the details of. Yeah. Um, but I kind of I wanted to update everyone just in case they were curious about that case, mm. but also just once again to highlight just the fact that a, the show, that show closing early was definitely just a case of, oh, this show isn't doing as well. Like Scott Rudin being like, this show isn't doing as well as I thought it would. Just Fuck everyone. Let's close it. They never did a cast album, which is just a travesty considering the talent that was involved on that stage. Um, and just, again, this idea of like policing and like having a court case based on like a woman's, a woman's pregnancy. pregnancy, in this case a black woman's pregnancy, I just – it's just so abhorrent to me. Oh, everything about it. Everything about it. Um, yeah, fuck that. Yeah, and I just, yeah, so. And because especially, like, she was already, had already had a three-month leave of absence plan because she was going to London to do Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. Yeah. You know, the, like, Billy Holiday show that yeah. um, she's done a few times. So, like, it had already been announced that she would be leaving for three months and that this woman, Rhiannon Giddens, would replace her. Yeah, so it's not like yeah. this came out of flipping nowhere. Exactly. So anyway, that's the update to that case. At, at least it's done, I guess. I just hope, like, she didn't have to – well, didn't have to be too involved. I don't know, but – Well, I mean, yeah, like it's – I'm sure she had to provide some oh information. God, proof of her pregnancy? Like, oh, it just – it's so disgusting. It's disgusting. Anyway. Fuck that. Fuck, Fuck man. that. Yeah. My spotlight is about a man. 
I want to talk to you about Darius Smith. Have okay. you heard of him? I don't think so. Okay, so Darius Smith was an African-American musical director and composer who was the recipient of the 2015 Stephen Sondheim Young Artist Citation. And his musical Ugly, which is actually like you, it's like the acronym U-G-L-Y, yeah, yeah. It was workshopped as part of the Sigworks Musical Theatre Lab. Okay. So Ugly is the story of a young girl, she's 11 years old, who's struggling to sort of find herself um, in her town in Alabama. Uh, she sort of is dealing with a drug addicted mother, a successful sort of like mostly absent auntie, a spiteful bully at school and like best friend. It's very much like, you know, the things that an 11 year old goes through. Um, and sort of, she's all about finding a place in her world. Mm. And the, the soundtrack is very much like jazz and R&B and these cool contemporary musical theatre styles. I've linked to a few songs from the musical. You can only really find them on YouTube. Yeah. Um, it's an excellent musical. Like so all I've been able to watch are like um, performers sort of doing a concert version of yeah. the songs, beautiful performers and just the the music, it's really hard to describe because it has that really contemporary music theatre vibe. So it's got, you know, like beautiful piano because he's a beautiful pianist mm. but then it's also got these like great R&B rhythms and it's like just really sort of um, this great ensemble singing almost in like a cappella sometimes, like just really lovely music yeah um yeah he was a seriously talented man who sadly passed away at a very young age last year and I can't find much information on how old he was right um or or how he passed away um but yeah he was certainly like a young man sort of on the cusp of of really of greatness in terms of musical theater and it's quite a loss but he'd musical director like quite a few shows and yeah, I think he'll be really sadly missed because it seemed like he was such a voice. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, have a listen to Ugly because it's it's really good. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, so that's Darius Smith. Excellent. Mm, you're welcome. Uh, what's our Theatre Explained for today? Our Theatre Explained is Topping and Tailing. Oh. Yeah. Lovely. Tell us about it, Ruth. Well, you'd, know, you'd know about this one. My understanding is that it is basically you do it's a, it's a rehearsal, like you yes. do it in a rehearsal, and that. It is a rehearsal in which you kind of cut out anything that's happening between technical cues yes. generally. So it's like you take it from the top of the scene, obviously topping, and then you will take it until either the end of the scene so mm. that you're just doing the scene changes or if it is a matter of just each technical cue. Yes. I did see that it was also sometimes called cue to cue, which yeah. I don't. It, uh, we, we don't really use that in Australia, in do Australia, we? In Australia we call it chopping and tailing and when I went to like get a formal definition, chopping and tailing also means something else. <laughs> <laughs> so, Did you have safe search on on Google? <laughs> and I, th- I think the other other people who don't care so much about um, double entendre call it Q to Q. Right. Perhaps, like, um, but, yeah, so it's Q to Q and, and to get even deeper into it, like a, a technical cue is really like say when the lights change yeah. or when a new microphone has to get turned on. So it's really a rehearsal for the crew in the theatre to be able to run their cues. Just their cues. Just their cues. Yeah. So it's usually sort of early on in the technical run. Yeah. They do a topping and tail or towards the very end just as a really quick reminder of their cues yeah. before the show, you know, begins properly with yeah, an audience. Yeah. So it's a good time. It's good if you're time poor in yeah. rehearsals to sort of let's just top and tail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's chopping and tailing. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you have any recommendations for us this week? I do. It's been sort of a YouTube week for me. 
Um, and I do want to say thank you to some of our wonderful listeners who've sent me recommendations because yeah. I asked for them. Um, I really appreciate it and I will get onto that. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend's been mentioned a few times so I will watch that. Yeah, you haven't seen it, have no, you? No, I haven't. I um, have to make a confession that I've seen Probat. The, maybe the whole first season years ago now. Yeah. Oh, is it quite old? But yeah, like like I think it started years and years ago. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Like in the last ten years, but maybe like six or seven years ago. Sometimes I think like, where have I been? What yeah, have I been doing? I know. It's like I just miss things. Smash is that old? Well, I, but I saw Smash. Yeah, true. Mm. But the thing for me is we've and I and I I haven't watched it yet, but I have a feeling I'll be the same with Zoe's extraordinary playlist. Mm. I'm not great with things that aren't actual musical theatre when they're yes. singing on television. Yeah, I, I know that. that I know that sounds like a weird thing, but kind of these like quirky original songs like in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Now I am going to give Crazy Ex-Girlfriend another chance, but when I started watching it, I was like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But I think, yeah, and like I really like a lot of the. I really love like every time I've seen Rachel Bloom interviewed and stuff yeah. like that. I think she's so talented. I don't know anything about it except that the name of the show like sort of gets my back up. <laughs> right. I just don't like like. Yeah. Yeah. Let's um, talk, why do we have to talk San, about San, women like that? Santino Fontana's in it as well, who's <laughs> awesome, you know, who was. Yeah, yeah, she's yeah. great. No, Santino, the man. Oh. Yeah, the, oh. as in um, uh, from Tootsie and. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah okay, okay. He was in the Cinderella Broadway revival and. Yeah. Yeah. I will I will watch it. I'm going to give it a go. Yeah. But that's not my recommendation. Okay. My recommendation is one of my favourite videos is the Try Not To Sing Challenge Musical Theatre Edition. Oh, I have seen these and I've never watched one. Okay. So it's like it's like 20 minutes of clips from like of highly singable songs. Yeah. And the challenge is to not sing along. So it's like <laughs> the very fun. first one is like the Phantom of the Opera and then there's like do you hear the people sing and yeah, yeah it's it's fun. That's fun. I succeeded today. So I, I watched the whole nice. thing and I did not sing. You but sat I was, there with your arms crossed. Yeah, I was like, fuck you. It also sort of like you don't want to beat the challenge because it makes you sad at the yeah. end that you haven't sung along. I so want I, to sing. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's my recommendation. I will Excellent. link to it. What's yours? Um, I have a couple. Of course the you do. The first is um, if you have Amazon Prime is the play What the Constitution Means to Me. Have you watched it without me? No, but I saw it on Broadway, so I can still recommend the show. Yeah, okay, okay. I, just because I haven't watched it on Amazon Prime yet. We will watch it together, I promise. Okay, good. Um, it was a play, I saw it on Broadway, what, last year? I think I saw the second preview. It was pretty early on, but it had been previously off-Broadway before that. Yeah. And maybe even off-off-Broadway before that, like it had sort of worked its way up. But Heidi Schreck is the name of the, um, the woman who wrote it and she's also – it's not entirely a monologue. There is a couple of other people in it, but it is mostly a monologue. Um, and it 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 is never been more pertinent to watch than mm. during this presidency of Donald Trump and everything that's what's gone on with the Supreme Court um, in the last few weeks uh, and the new judge who's been uh, accepted there. And it is just like, yeah, a real sort of deep dive into the constitution of America. I know that's not the country that Josephine and I live in, but it is quite fascinating as to how yeah. it has, has formed that country and a lot of their laws. Oh, it's so interesting. Yeah. And it's sort of told from the perspective that she, when she was younger, when she was a teenager, she would compete in these competitions where you would sort of argue points of the constitution mm. kind of like speech and debate competitions yeah. that were like mock trial our our equivalent 
I think of like RSL clubs. Yeah. So like um, I don't know what they call them over there but like it, like retired servicemen's type yeah. organisations. Yeah, sure. And they would run these or kind of like Rotary. I'm not 100% sure what they are over yeah, there. Yeah, okay. But they would, but they run, would run these competitions and she would go in them and she, she won quite a bit of money towards that got her through college basically. That was what she did it for, yeah. for her like college fund. Um, but, yeah, what it meant was that she had – really explored the constitution and all wow. these different amendments. That's and, fascinating. Yeah. And it's, um, I do find the constitution very interesting. Yeah. And it, and especially like you being so, such a massive West wing fan yeah. and it all kind of plays together in yeah. that way as well. Yeah. So that's my first one. It's on Amazon prime. I'm so glad they filmed it because it was um, a really amazing show. And my second one is somewhat tied to my show for today, but there was a documentary mate. Stop it. There was a doc. You, you'll like this doco. This, there was a documentary made um, and the whole thing's on YouTube, which I discovered this, oh, this cool. week, which is exciting, which is called Show Business, The Road to Broadway, <laughs> which I saw years ago and hadn't seen since. It's the which, worst title of a thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but it was a documentary tracing the 2004, like, Tony Awards season. Oh, it's so, so up your alley. Yeah, so it's – have you ever, have you never seen this documentary? Never. Oh, well, we have to watch this as well. So it's um, <laughs> the, the four musicals that competed for Best Musical that year were Wicked, Avenue Q, Caroline or Chain, and Boy From Oz and it just basically kind of like tracks Follows their journey. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's really great wow. and it's all on YouTube so I will link to that. That's cool. Yeah. I'll probably watch both of those. Yes. With you. With me. Yeah. <laughs> You'll be cranky if I don't. Excellent. Well, should we talk about some You musicals? want to talk to us about a show, Josephine? I'm going to talk to you about a show and then I'm going to have a little nap. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> All right. It's Zombie Prom. Yay! Yay, Zombie Prom. Okay, Ruth, I actually can't remember how this came into my life. I'm very glad it did. I'm 99% certain that you introduced me to it. Yeah. So can I just interrupt and say Please. that Andrew and I tried to work this out this yes. week, like how we discovered the well, show. I almost messaged you and I was like, can we trace this? Can we talk to all of our yeah. friends who are involved? We need to figure it out. What we think was is it Nick? that. Yeah. So our friend Nick and um, Josephine will talk about the fact that we wanted to put this show on. I'm yeah. sure you'll mention that. Yeah. But we, we were like, how did Nick, and Nick was going to be the director, our friend Nick, and Andrew would have been the musical director. This is and, when we were kids. And I would have been the assistant director. Yeah. Yes. This is before Andrew and I. And I would have been the star It's before of it. Andrew and I are together yeah. as well. And yes, Andrew. <laughs> No, no, um, no precasting or anything. But Josephine definitely would have played the lead. Definitely. Um, but basically, yeah, we we were we were wanting to put a show on at our local um, musical theatre, and and Nick had found the show, and we were like, where would he have found it? And all we can think is that he loved zombies. He loved zombies. At the time. That's the only so thing that, I could think that he of. just would have like yeah. stumbled upon a show anything that was a that musical was related that had the word zombie in. Because I was trying to figure out, and I'll talk about it. But the film, like the short film, came out probably like after. This it was stuff. after. So he would have had to find it that's before. right it was just we had the cast recording yes. somehow but i think probably from limewire yeah and it was literally that he just was obsessed with anything to do with zombies so this had zombie in the title and happened to be really good yeah so i i'm so glad you were in the same boat as me because i'm like i think it was yeah. nick okay. no no idea well thank you nick i've never seen a live production of zombie prom and by all accounts, that's maybe a good thing. But also, like, about. how many have there been? Well, that's right. <laughs> I, that's a, I'm going to talk about that too. I owned the cast recording on my, like, brick of an iPod back in yep. the day. And, yeah, it was all downloaded from LimeWire. I loved it passionately. I've yep. loved it ever since. I loved it as soon as I listened to it, like yep. the instant I listened to it, and I've never given up on it because it's so good. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm going to tell you about the plot. It's set in the 1950s at a high school called Enrico Fermi High. It's a high school that is right near a very unstable nuclear power plant. Enrico Fermi 
Hi. discovered nuclear power. Is That's that right? right? Yeah. yeah. There's lots of little little moments yeah. like that. Um, so the power couple of the show is Toffee, she's like a golden girl, and Johnny, who spells his name his name without the customary H, <laughs> is the kid uh, from the wrong side of the tracks. He's an orphan. So after like a bit of a romance, Toffee breaks up with Johnny because her parents disapprove of him and he then commits suicide by jumping off the nuclear plant, resulting in a nuclear disaster. <laughs> and because of this nuclear disaster, his body is like taken out with the nuclear waste and buried at sea in like a lead coffin. <laughs> <laughs> this is in the first like two songs of the show yes yes it's very early <laughs> it's early so um three weeks later he's resurrected as a zombie and returns to toffee and asks her to go to the prom with him there's lots of other drama that happens in them well not that much drama actually to be fair the principal of the high school miss strict does not want a zombie attending her school and so the local news reporter eddie flagrante begins sort of sniffing around this story um, eventually Toffee and Johnny do go to the prom together and it's it's actually revealed that Johnny is the long-lost son of Miss Strict and Eddie Flagrante, who, like, it was a teen pregnancy, um, and they just decide to get married and live happily ever after and everyone is happy. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's the it. plot. <laughs> so here's some background. The show was first produced at the Red Barn Theatre in Florida in 1993. And then it opened off-Broadway at the Variety Arts Theatre in 1996. This production off-Broadway ran for 28 performances. Oh, my God. Which is not very many. No. <laughs> I've been in shows that have gone longer than that. Um, now, somewhere before it opened off-Broadway, there was like a workshop and Kristen Chenoweth originated the role of Toffee yeah. in those workshops. However... I literally, so to find information on this show, I had to go deep. Like yeah. I was I was deep in the web. I got to, I read her book, which is like wicked, the yeah. life of Chris, of me or whatever. You should I don't have even just know. sent me notes for the I week. Sh- I should have. <laughs> I should have. But like because she mentions the word zombie prom yeah. in that book twice. So I was like, give me this information because you just can't find information about the show. And she doesn't even name the date of when she was in these workshops no. or when she auditioned. So, mm. Yeah, man, it's hard. So that okay. So after the off Broadway production that ran for twenty eight performances, it had an off West End run in two thousand and nine, playing at the Landor Theatre for a little less than a month. So like that West End performance, that's after we've become obsessed with it. Yeah, because that's like two thousand and five, two thousand and six well, that like we it loved was, it. It was off Broadway in ninety six. Yeah. So yeah, like I would say two thousand five. Yeah. I would say late two thousand four, early two thousand five is when it came to our lives. Well, no, I think it's after then because we didn't. The show that we did instead was in two thousand and six. Yes, and I think so. I think it was like. But I think we've been talking about this for a while. You reckon? I do. Okay. I think two thousand five is a really good yeah. Thing. Um. So yeah, this two thousand and nine production is like, like what? What? Yeah. Off Off West End. Yeah, it was just like little, literally a month. There is a notable short film adaptation of the musical that is definitely worth your time. <laughs> so the film was produced in 2006 and it stars RuPaul as Miss Strict. Yes. And, yeah, man, he's great in it. Um, it screened at a few film festivals that year and it won Best Short at the Palm Beach International Film Festival. Right. In June 2015, Variety reported that a feature film adaptation was in the works but there's been no news of that. Random. I know. Imagine. Yeah. I don't think it needs no. to be turned into a feature film but anyway, the short film is actually super charming and well-made. Like it's a really well-made short. Yeah. Um, it's How long this, is it? It's like 30, did I say it's 36 minutes? Okay. 
Yeah, which is just like a really nice palatable length. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's really nice mix. And the whole show, in fact, is this. It's this mix of like cloying American 1950s sweetness but also like horror. Mm. So it's got this sense of like the that sort of funny little shop horror, this sort of like charming. And in the film they use these like comic book animations to like move the story along. Yeah. Because obviously there's a bit more than 36 minutes of story in the actual yeah. musical. It's still a live-action film, though. Um, my biggest issue with the film is that it doesn't include the best number of the show. Okay. And it does really truncate the songs to, yeah. like, fit it all in. It's still really funny. It isn't de- deep entertainment by any stretch. Yeah. Like, don't expect that from Zombie Prom. It's called Zombie Prom. <laughs> <laughs> The musical is a favourite amongst high schools in America. It's regularly produced. Right. So, like, you can go to YouTube and type it in and you'll see, like, a million high schools, like, bootlegs yeah. of, of this. Um, it's a really snappy show. It's only 90 minutes. Oh, okay. So it's just, like, boom. And it's also a fairly small cast, which I don't think I realised. So when you go to licence the show, the recommendation is five women, five men. Oh. But can you super, add a chorus? Yeah. So most, like, I watch a whole bunch of, like, American high yeah. school productions and most have added, like, a full ensemble because it is in a high school so you can do scenes yeah. with, like, lots of kids but there's just not, like, there's no speaking roles, there's to, no solos. Yeah. Like, it's really just filler. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fairly small cast. It's usually performed by ten people, like I said. Um Generally, critics don't like this show. (laughs) Why? I don't get it. Some of the reviews I found of various productions are generally about the show itself, not the staging or the vision of the show. Yeah. Because, like, it really, it's really just, like, American high school, like, typical 50s. Like, it's very, in terms of the vision, there's not much that's offensive about it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's very much that glossy. But I think the issue is just in the actual show. Here's my problem with that. So I'll, I'll tell you some of the reviews. The major complaint is that it's just a one-trick pony. So one reviewer said, quote, zombie prom is like any old human prom, a lot of fuss for very little fun. And I completely disagree for a few reasons. Yes, the show is silly, but it's really tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. Like it's it's pretty much, yeah, the, the script is literally ridiculous and it's poking so much fun at itself. Yeah, like it's a bit it's, like Crybaby or like yeah. one of those sort of shows yes. where you're, you're like it's – Yeah, like a farce of, yeah. It's literally like it's a parody of itself. And so many reviewers of like it's trying to be like Grease but it's not succeeding. I think this show is 100 times better than Grease. Like really is. (laughs) To be fair, you and I do not like Grease. Well, no. Does anyone? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, unfortunately they do. Um, The script, yeah, is ridiculous but I think it would present actually quite a challenge for the cast to present in a way that isn't totally ludicrous. Like you have to have the characters just take, be so earnest. Yeah. Like they have to be so fully immersed in and believing their experience in the ridiculousness of yeah. it. And that's sort of the beauty of it, I think. I would love to be in a production of this show. <laughs> I know. Um, so some of my favourite lines from the show are, quote, finals approaching but what's the use? How can I find the hypotenuse? It's so good. It's so good. Here's another one. Quote, School is no place to be sad, Toffee. Be like my mother and save that for home where no one can see you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, so good. Um, I always got the impression that it was also kind of like an allegory for um, segregation and it is. the like desegregation of schools. Like, no, this zombie yeah. kid can't come to our prom kind yes. of thing. And actually one of my biggest complaints with a short film is that it doesn't work as this sounds terrible, but when Miss Strict is played by someone who is a person of colour, mm. 
it actually loses a lot of that meaning because normally like in the musical it's a very whitewashed cast, which I'm not saying is a great thing. Yeah. But Miss Strict is literally saying when Johnny shows up and is a zombie, like he's literally a very different sort of species. Yeah. They are like, you cannot be here, you're disgusting, you are like and it's it's quite a racial statement. Right. So I found in the short film that having RuPaul as Miss Strict, you sort of did lose that. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily a terrible thing, but I agree that it is that sort of allegory for it's also, I read um I read uh, an interesting comment this week just just about like um sort of uh, color conscious casting in general yeah and it was sort of talking about how in films we're just we're so much less able to suspend our disbelief yes. whereas in on stage we can which is why it's so important yes. that we do it because it's just like well we know these people aren't related yes. so you know yeah, like you're right in film we take everything so much more literally yeah. or we expect a level of realism that yeah. we don't expect on stage exactly that's a really interesting point yeah um i think we all sort of sense that um subconsciously but yeah it's probably like i get that casting rupaul like that's a cool move or whatever but it just maybe misses that yeah there's still lots of other things that this show offers and i like it's a it's a really interesting comment on like nuclear that sort of nuclear family yes, thing. So yeah. they, they take they do a lot of puns on what is a nuclear family and then nuclear power. Yeah. So there's a lot of that. But um yeah. And I mean the themes are super dark. Yes. Like super dark. So when we when we wanted to put the show on, because we were all teenagers at the yeah. time, the community like theatre company that that we wanted to put the show on just said no because the show featured the suicide. a suicide. Which was a sh- a real shame. A real shame. Because the show that we had done previous to that featured a character called Nick Necrophiliac. Yeah, but Ruth. <laughs> and it's Necrophilia's like, fine. That was fine. Yeah. But this like incredibly – it's the same thing like one time I suggested that they do Once Upon a Mattress. Yes. And the fact that, the, that she gets pregnant was like – and it's like that is an incredibly safe show for teenagers to do in it's, my opinion. It's a fairy tale. It's yeah. literally but like people get pregnant. You cannot avoid <laughs> right. that, that, you know, human biological fact. Oh, dear. Yeah, I don't know. I Because um, I, I got real, I was thinking about it this week and I was getting so worked up and cranky and I messaged yeah. Ruth and I was like, I'll bet they would do like Les Mis Jr. and that has a suicide in it. And yeah. <laughs> they wouldn't do zombie prom. And it's so like it's zombie prom. I know. You know? Oh, anyway. And also um, – it's funny because what I think about is so instead of zombie prom, we did, a, they were like, why don't you do a pantomime? Yeah. And so we did this pantom- pantomime called Trouble in Panto Land. Anyway, it was Which during... I'm going to address in a future episode. <laughs> you're going to cover Trouble in Panto Land? <laughs> no, you're not. Um, because we actually wrote, like, Nick wrote the script, yeah. basically rewrote the script. The and were... half the songs were written by Andrew and our friend Ben. But the funny thing is, it was during that show that Andrew and I started dating. Yeah. And so I'm like, if we did zombie prom, could the whole course of our lives have been different? Oh, imagine. <laughs> I know. Because you would have been corrupted by the uh, the themes in Zombie That's Prom. right. You would be a totally different It would different be a person. totally different story. Yeah. Half of us probably would have been incited to suicide I know. because of it. It's, yeah, I think, I think look, obviously because I haven't seen the show or been in it yet, it's hard to comment really on what the issues with the script are yeah. and it's really difficult to find any information. But yeah. I just think that was a bad decision. Not I think to I stage own it. the script, by the way. <gasps> what the I think hell? at one point I like ordered it online. You're withholding like, the libretto. That's cool. We'll have a look after. But like, there are some. I think the things in this show are much more important to like to to communicate than the themes in fucking Greece. I like, know. 
Like, think about what Greece is. <laughs> Greece has the worst moral. The of worst like moral any of it. Like, don't worry, just change yourself, <laughs> change and you'll be who fine. You are change at everything its core. about yourself, particularly your physical appearance. And then people will love you. People will love you, and also like teen pregnancy. Yay! It's just like what the fuck. Yeah. Anyway, you should listen to Zombie Prom. Okay, Gateway Songs. Yeah. It's an actual travesty that the original off-Broadway recording isn't on Spotify. It's not, is it? It's really upsetting. <sighs> and I think I'm upset about this more than I even am about like Tick, Tick, Boom. and Yeah. Because this Striking is. Striking 12's not on there. Yeah. Why? Yeah. It's like regardless of everything I've said about some of the potential problems in the show, which I think are made up by dumb critics, the score is awesome. Yeah. It's a fantastic score. Did I even mention like who wrote this show? No. Oh, my God. It's um. It's Dana uh, Dana Rowe and John Dempsey. Yes. And they also wrote The Fix, right? They wrote The Fix. One, two, three. There's another one. What am I thinking? That it they is. wrote? Yeah, that they wrote. I'll look it up. You keep talking. Yeah. Um, geez, that's really bad of me. Um, well, anyway, the score is awesome. So that's, yeah, Dempsey and Rowe, they're a really great songwriting duo. They're um, – they, they actually you can watch some cool interviews with them. They both talk about sort of their process and they both like both men really, really love zombie prom. Like it, it really holds like. Right. And they, they talk oh, about it. Witches of Eastwick. Witches of Eastwick. That's what it yeah, is. Like I knew a, there was a really by obvious far one. their most famous show. I knew there was a really obvious one. Yeah. yeah thank you. That's right. Um, so yeah, Dempsey and Rowe. Actually, I should link to some of the videos of them being interviewed and talking about zombie prom because they, it was like their first it was their right. first sort of musical um, and they were quite young, I think, at the time. So, yeah, anyway, the score is fucking entertaining. There are so many cool nods to 50s pop culture. Like the lyrics are really clever, super clever. Um, listening to the cast recording is a pleasure and I recommend you grab that old YouTube playlist and get involved in the whole thing. But if you want gateway songs, my two top picks are in order. Number one, Johnny Don't Go. Best. Best. The subtitle of that is Johnny Don't Go to the Nuclear Plan. It's one of the most delightful songs in the musical theatre canon, yeah. I believe. It's Didn't one you do it I in your – yeah. I presented at my final showcase at uni <laughs> and it fucking banged. Um, I'm also like an ironic bitch, I think. Uh, yeah, that's my, obviously. Oh, my God, the song is so good. It's like, it's like proper teen girl bullshit but – they're saying Johnny don't go to the nuclear plant because he's got just that committed like suicide. 50s drum beat. Dun, 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 yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It's Think like the beginning excellent. of Good Morning Baltimore. Exactly. Like, yeah. Oh my God, it's so good. Um, and the other gateway song you've got to listen to is Easy to Say. Yeah. It's this. So Dempsey and Rose say it's their favorite song they've ever written. Really? Yeah. Like both of them are like Easy to Say. Um, I think it's the best song of the show by far. It's frequently cited, as I said, by them as their all-time favourite songs. It's a ripper. It's And the lyrics in it are just hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. That's Zombie Prom. Um, just by the way, Tell me. Jo- John Dempsey was also the co-lyricist for The Pirate Queen. Oh, I did with, know that. With um, Boo and Schoenberg. Yeah. 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 I, um, I actually, I feel like maybe I've let, like I've not printed like part of my notes because I did all this, like I did all this research into Dempsey and Rowe because I like I'd watched all these interviews and they're they're really interesting and they they talk really like eloquently about their experiences and I thought it was interesting how di- like how different their shows are. Yes, very different from each other. So different. But, yeah, um, 
I don't know what happened to that. The, um, I'm also fascinated, like, how a cast recording got made for this show. Right? If they'd only played 28 performances off And Broadway. I just cannot tell you how difficult it is to find that information. Yeah. Like, I could tell you some of the cast, but, like, none of them have really gone on to do anything. Yeah. I think it was Richard... Um, Muniz, okay. who was maybe Eddie Flagrante, and he has like he has quite a an extensive bio, but like Jessica Snow Wilson, who played Toffee, she'd not really done anything. Yeah. Um. After I can't remember the the name of the guy who played Johnny, but same sort of deal. Like, yeah. And they're all excellent on the yeah. cast recording. Yeah. It's it's very strange, but like once again, highlighting how. A, having a cast recording, especially back then, oh, yeah. means that your show can live on it's a game and changer. get done. Yeah. Get done by schools and by community yeah. theatres. And I guess now it's hard. Like, I mean, it's great in that people can access them on Spotify and things like that. But again, we knew this show because it was one of very few shows yeah. that yeah. we sort of had access to. That's right. But that's, uh, and I think about that often, like, what don't we have access to? Like yeah. what has been – and it's like when I was looking into Darius Smith and Ugly, it's mm. really hard to find sort of great, um, you know, recordings of that or information about it and I think it's actually just such a shame. Yeah. And I get that putting stuff on the internet is hard or recording cast recordings is really hard. I totally get that but it's it's just sad. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Zombie Prom. Wow. Awesome. I highly recommend it. It's such a great, honestly, guys, it? listen to Let's just do it. Let's put it on. You only need yeah. 10 people. Yeah. Should let's I be it. Toffee? Should I be Yeah, you're Toffee on Mystric. Let's do it. <gasps> <laughs> okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening to my favourite musical, the podcast. <laughs> okay. Everyone ready for Josephine to hate on another show of mine? Can I just, like, I'm not going to pick up my shaker too much. Actually, I'm just going to shake the whole time. Just subtly in just the background. Just subtly in the background. That won't be annoying for any of our listeners. I just want them to know that I hate this show. Have you always hated this show? I, I don't think so. you've always hated it. Um, I, I don't remember a time of you loving it, but no. I certainly haven't, like, when we were younger, I don't remember being like, wow, Josephine really hates Wicked when everyone around us thinks it's the greatest thing ever written. Well, I also think, like, I wasn't like, yeah, I was never in love with it, but I was always like, oh, there are other musicals that I'll spend my but time on. But also like, like I have to say like, there's not, it's not like there's really a part for you in there. Yeah, maybe that's why. Like I feel like that could be a little bit of it. Are you just calling me like a proper egomaniac? No, but like I, I, I get it. Like you love the stuff you can see yourself doing. Totally. I cannot see myself in the show at all. No. There's nothing for me in this no, show. No, it's like two very different vocal types, neither of which you have yes, kind of thing. that's right. Yeah. And I think that that's, yeah, no, but like, okay, so, okay, I'll rephrase. I think if there was a part for you in there, it might change your mind on the show. I don't think so. Really? I actually don't think so. Okay, interesting. And I, I actually try. I remember this coming out and everyone being obsessed with it and I tried desperately to get amongst it. Okay. Like I read the book and I like, I fully tried to immerse myself in it and it just <laughs> never, ever. Before we go any further, we're talking about a little show called Wicked. Oh, yeah, we're talking about Wicked. Um, so tell me what you don't like about it. I don't like I don't like the storyline and the way that it's oh, presented. Okay. I don't like that. All right. Um, I don't like things that have come from other things that don't belong to the people who've made them. <laughs> right. It's, like like these kind of adaptation style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. Um, I don't like the style of the music. It's probably like it's my least favourite Stephen Schwartz. I don't like any of the songs. Like right. I find them to be cloying. Um, 
just so, and I think part, part of, of that's it, repetition, right? Part of it's repetition, but part of it also is the combination of Adina Menzel and Kristen Chenoweth is not pleasant to mm. me. It's not. I don't really particularly like either of those voices. Like yeah. I think Kristen Chenoweth's incredibly talented, but when you listen to those voices, wow! Like, yeah, just murder me, literally. I assume you saw this in like I the professional saw it in production. Sydney, yeah, because yeah. a friend of mine was um, Nessa Rose. Yeah. And I like honestly, it's really hard to find redeeming for me redeeming mm. features of it. Like I understand the animal rights angle, or you know, some of the subtext of the yeah, of the like show. it's, it's like, got a lot of that kind of like anti-fascist stuff in there yeah, as which well. I'm, I'm totally, you know, I'm obviously anti-fascist, but I just think the the method of storytelling is way too showy. It's so overblown. Um, there's just it's like here is every piece of information on a platter. You don't need to infer anything. Mm. Here it all is shoved down your throat, and here is a. A very high-pitched, annoying sound for you to listen to <laughs> on a, in sustain. Yeah. Even just like the romantic relationships bug me. They're really problematic. They're, yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you love it, Ruth? No, well, okay, so here's what I have to say. So I have I have mixed feelings about this show as well. Like, oh, I didn't know that. It's very, it's very kind of love-hate for me. Yeah. As in... I think that when it works, it really works. Mm. When it does the thing that it sets out to do, I think it really does do that. And I love about half of the score. Half mm. of the score I think is really great musical theatre writing, but the other half I think is quite terrible. Yeah. So, like, for example, any time a man sings in a show that isn't Fiero, I think it's, like, terrible. 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 Um, and, like, quite pedestrian as well, like not... Yeah. Very like I couldn't complex. Even, I couldn't even recall like the wizard song or like yeah, wonderful and Mr. something what's, bad. What's Dr. That? Dillamond. Dr. Dillamond. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I, couldn't I think even... that they're just quite weak kind of. They're weak, I think. Yeah. But then, you know, when it works, I do think that it really works. Like and, and when all the pieces come together, then I think it's a very effective show. Hmm. Um, I'm not actually sure how many times I've seen this show professionally. Maybe seven, I think. Yeah. I, it's That's like too many. It's like at least three or four times in Australia over the course of the tours here, mm. and then once on Broadway, once on the West End, and once I saw a UK tour um, for work because uh, we were going to be going to that theatre or something like that. Um, and those have been both like great experiences and sort of like quite disappointing experiences, yeah. including when I saw it on Broadway last year. Oh. I thought it was quite disappointing. Yeah, right. Jessica Vosk was Elphaba. She was incredible, one of the best Elphabas I've seen. She's amazing. She's amazing. Mm. But the rest of the show had that real feel of like we have – there are people in that show who have been doing it for 17 years. Wow. And when you go and see some of these Broadway shows that – are uh, like that, like where it's a factory mm. and not, you know, like none of those people got to work with an original creative team member. None of those people. Oh, I my mean- God, that's reminded me of something. Oh, yeah? Can I interrupt? Yeah. You? Shane gave me a recommendation, the latest episode of This American Life. Yes, story about the Phantom Orchestra. The Phantom I listened Orchestra. to it too. It was so fucking hilarious. Yeah, it was really great. So that's sort of. Yeah. Listen to that episode of This American Life, the yes. most recent one. Yeah. Well, it won't be most recent. It'll be when a few listen. weeks ago when this comes out. Oh my god, it was so hilarious. Yeah. Carry on, Ruth. Um, so yeah, so it's actually one of the things that I really hope it kind of ties into this that I, I hope changes on Broadway post COVID mm. is that because all these shows again. will be starting up again, yeah. they will have to re-rehearse. There will have to be conversations with the creative teams. Mm. Everyone will it will have to become a bit fresher. Yeah. And you know, I have had that experience with a lot of those long-running Broadway shows. Chicago's another one of them where it is 
like a literal factory. They are doing the same thing every day. And sad to say that Wicked did feel like that. Whereas I have, when people are engaged and into it, I think it can be really quite incredible. I mean, I generally think that about all theatre. Yes, it's very true. Even mediocre things can be really great if the people presenting it have energy about it. I have seen great shows, sorry, not great shows on Broadway and thought they were great mm. because of how good everyone involved Absolutely. was. Absolutely. Yeah. Every, mm. When everyone is working at the top of their game, you can really hide a lot of shit. Yeah. Yeah. And and kind of then the opposite happens. When people aren't at the top of their game, it makes a show seem worse than it is. Mm. Mm-hmm. So th- that is kind of my feelings about Wicked. I have I have both had wonderful nights in the theatre and quite disappointing nights in the theatre mm. seeing this, the exact same show. Yeah. Right? So a um, bit of background. So it's based on the 1995 novel by Gregory Maguire, which is called Wicked, The Life and Times of the Wicked Witch of the West, which in itself was a revisionist exploration of the characters and Land of Oz from the 1900 novel The Wonderful Wizard of Oz by L. Frank Baum, its sequels, and the 1939 film adaptation The Wizard of Oz, right? So it's an adaptation of adaptation. The book. the book, Wicked, the book. The book's great. Yeah. Um, so the musical Music and Lyrics by Stephen Schwartz and book by Winnie Holtzman. So Stephen Schwartz, um, you know, everyone would obviously have heard of um, as the composer of Pippin and Godspell and and the lyricist of many Disney musical films. Oh my God, we haven't done any Schwartz Well, yeah, yet. so um, Hunchback he was the lyricist yeah. for, but that's this is the first show we've covered that he's written the music for. Wow. I know. That is an oversight. At episode 29, I, I know. Wow. Yeah. Um, this is Winnie Holtzman's only Broadway credit. However, you may be aware that she created the cult 90s, 90s TV show My So-Called Life, which was Claire Danes's big break when yeah. she was like 15 she was really or something. Young. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, the story. So we start with the citizens of Oz celebrating the death of the Wicked Witch of the West, and which is being announced by Glinda the Good Witch of the North. We then flash back to how they first met when they were students at Shiz University together. The Wicked Witch of the West, whose name is Elphaba, was an outcast due to her green skin and outspoken nature. The two women are roommates and hate each other at first but grow to become best friends. After a trip to the Emerald City, they discover that the wizard has been trying to take away animals' rights to speak, which they had previously been able to do, and put them in cages instead. After releasing all of the wizard's flying monkeys, Elphaba is forced to go on the run. Fiero, Glinda's boyfriend, and Elphaba have realised their feelings for each other and he joins her on the run. Elphaba discovers that the little girl, Dorothy, has killed her sister and Dorothy throws a bucket of water onto Elphaba, killing her. In reality, Elphaba and Fiero, who has now been turned into the Scarecrow, have escaped but may never return to Oz or let Glinda know they're still alive. <clears throat> so at the end they've gone but Glinda thinks that they're dead. They ghosted her. Yes. So after the book is released in 1995, there was lots of interest in making just a film of the book um, and Universal bought the rights to the book, Universal like pictures. Yeah. Um, Mark Platt, who is Ben Platt's father mm. and like goes on to produce Jeremy Hansen and like a bunch of other shows, um, was co-head of production at Universal at the time and was developing it as a film. Um, so he started in film yeah, like right. production, but had always like had an interest in being a stage producer. Um, 
So Stephen Schwartz had already had the idea at this stage of turning it into a musical and basically found out Universal had the rights and convinced Mark Platt it should be a stage show rather than a film. They then get Gregory Gregory Maguire on board and they convince Universal it would be more profitable instead of turning it into a film to turn it into a stage show. I mean, they were um, probably they right. They were right. Yeah. Um, of the $14 million initial capitalisation, Universal contributed $10 million of that, which they have made back many, many, many times over. In fact, it is probably one of the most prof- profitable ventures Universal has ever had. What? Yeah, including all of their films and everything. Jesus yeah. Christ. So after a couple of they, so they did a bunch of readings um, rather than any sort of like um, even like workshops, like mostly it was just like sitting down readings kind of thing. So after a couple of years of those, the show had its pre-Broadway tryout at the Curran Theatre in San Francisco from May 28th to June 29th, 2003. Mm. Um, it started previews on Broadway at the Gershwin Theatre on October 8th, 2003 and had been running continuously until the COVID shutdown in March of this year. As of that date, it had played a total of 6,833 performances and is currently the fifth longest running Broadway show of all time. Wow. Yeah. Not deserved. (laughs) Shut up. Nominated for 10 Tony Awards, it only won three. It was a big David versus Goliath upset that Avenue Q won Best Musical, Best Book and Best Score that year. That's what I mentioned that that documentary, so that kind of follows that journey. Um, So the three that it won were Best Costumes, Best scenic design. I think both of those are very warranted. Yeah. I actually think that the design of it is quite yes, impressive. Yes, I agree. I agree. Um, and best leading actress for Adina Menzel. So, like, famously she was up against Kristen Chenoweth for that and she won. Mm. Kristen Chenoweth, of course, at this stage does already have a Tony Award for You're a Good Man. Charlie, Charlie Brown. Brown, yeah. Um, from a few years before. Um, the show began previews at the Apollo Victoria Theatre in London from September 7th, 2006 and has also been playing there since then till COVID shut it down. Um, Idina Menzel was also the original West End Elphaba and yeah. Australian performer Helen Dallimore was the original Glinda on the mm. West End. She's very talented. Yeah, she is. Um, it was even more snubbed for awards in London. At Good. The, at the 2007 Olivier Awards, it was only nominated for four awards, none of which were Best Musical nor Best Leading Actress. Ha. <laughs> You're so... <laughs> I'm a bitch. Uh, you'll get over it soon. Don't worry. Um, Why they, will I get over it? They didn't it? win any Olivier Awards. Yeah, could. They don't deserve it. Interestingly, they were once again up against Avenue Q and Carolina Change in their seasons. Like three years later in London, they were up against the same two shows. Wow. Um, and Carolina Change won Best Musical that year. The movie just feels like it's never going to happen. Surely not. It's, uh, in 2012 it was announced with a release date for 2016 <laughs> and in 2016 they said it would be released December 22nd, 2021. Ooh. However, as of this year it was once again postponed due to COVID and just a few weeks ago the director Stephen Doldry has amicably departed from the project due to scheduling conflicts. There are rumours that Steven Spielberg may take over after finishing West Side Story. Do we need him to do another movie? Do we? Yeah, I just hope it gets made. Ugh. Do you care who's in it? No. Is it Ariana Grande? That's who, like, lots of people think it it might be. God, I just don't care about any of this. I think she's. I think she's a likely choice if they do were can, to do it. Yeah. Can but, she? Uh, they'd have to. They'd really have to, like, get some of the pop out of her. But she started on Broadway. She can sing legit Broadway. Not that Elphaba is legit. No, sorry, when I say legit, I just mean no runs everywhere. Yeah. Like no riffing. Yeah, she can't riff. Not she, like legit soprano. It's a, poppy, it's a poppy sound. Yeah. 
Yeah. You've got to be a belter. Puppy yeah. belter. She's got a, I mean, she's got a fucking amazing voice. Oh, she does. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Wicked is the second highest grossing Broadway show of all time. Is that rain you can hear? Is that rain? I think it is rain. Well, Andrew shut the curtain, so I can't tell. I know. We're all in this, this darkened room. Um, it is the second highest grossing Broadway show of all time to The Lion King. Oh, The Lion King. Um, and it is one of only three Broadway shows to gross over $1 billion. That's so much money. Yeah, with The Lion King and Phantom of the Opera. It has oh. grossed a total of $1.3 billion on Broadway Whoa. and $3.5 billion globally. Shit. It was by far the fastest musical to gross over $1 billion when it did so in 2016. Huh. For what it's worth, Hamilton's sitting at about six hundred and twelve million in only five years, Fuck. so it'll get there soon enough. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, and um, particularly like it's about to open in a whole lot of other places. Oh, I'm you know? just talking about Broadway though. Oh right, yeah, yeah. just bro- like I'm oh, just well, talking Broadway it. ticket sales. Yeah, Jesus, isn't that insane? Crazy. Yeah, because um, for example, like. When you look at these highest, these list of highest grossing shows, like Starlight Express is up there because of the well, fucking Germany so many, production yes. and because London ran for so long. When we're talking about worldwide, yeah. it's up there. Yeah. But then Broadway, obviously not. No. Um, so over 12 million tickets have been sold for the show on Broadway and 55 million worldwide, which makes it sixth on the list of worldwide ticket sales Jeez. for a show. Do you know what number one is? Uh, oh, I think it may also be. Be the Lion King or Fan? No, fa- sorry, sorry. Worldwide is Phantom, definitely. Okay. Oh God, now I'm. Yeah, you can look it up, I'm but I'm pretty sure Phantom's number one worldwide. Um, so Stephanie J. Block played Elphaba throughout all the readings of Wicked. She's um, so good. She's so good. Um, and it's been said that Stephen Schwartz wrote the songs with her voice in mind for Elphaba, but she was replaced by Adina Menzel before they took the show to San Francisco. Um, she said. We spent two years developing Bar, but then when it came time to cross the finish line, it was Stephen Schwartz who had to pick up the phone and say, we love you, but you have no Broadway credits and I don't think we can risk a multi-million dollar show on someone who's not been on Broadway, let alone been at the helm of a big Broadway show, so we'd love for you to stand by for Adina. So she did. She um, she was Adina's standby in San Francisco, uh, but then she left to do The Boy From Oz on Broadway as Liza Minnelli. She yeah. played Liza Minnelli in that. Um, she came back to be the first Elphaba on the first national tour. Yeah. Um, and what is nice is she also met her husband um, who played Fiero on that tour, Sebastian Archelis. Archelis? I don't know how to say it. Nice. Um, and she did eventually play the role on Broadway in 2007. But, yeah, Stephanie J. Block, I'm obsessed. She's so good. So much better than Adina. Um, in another wonderful matchmake, Norbert Leo Butts, the original Fiero, met his wife, Michelle Federer, who was the original Nessa Rose in the original Broadway cast, and they've been together ever since. Yeah, I, I love, love that. Norbert. Uh, the He's Greek- the only redeeming thing about the Broadway, <laughs> yeah. the Broadway show. Like, he actually is. The green makeup for Elphaba is produced by MAC Cosmetics and it is a water-based body paint called MAC Chroma Cake in Landscape Green. <laughs> you can buy it if you want to do some cosplay, like it existed before the show. That's amazing. Um, they paint their face, neck, decolletage and hands. Everything else is like a green leotard or some sort of costume. Yeah. For Act 2, they retouch the green and they add false eyelashes and more defined cheekbones to make Elphaba look a little bit older and more sophisticated. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Hmm. Um, from what I could find out, the standby, like if you stand, we've talked about standbys yeah. before. We've but, talked about how she has to have a certain amount of green well, on. Well, no, apparently not. Oh. Yeah, so like I, it took me a while to do this research, but my understanding is that 
You don't have to get green every night just in case, but they do have a routine that they can get a standby greened up in seven minutes Jeez. if they need to. But otherwise for a normal show, it takes about 30 minutes. Wow. Like for a normal show. But no, apparently you don't have to. Yeah, because that would be such a waste of resources. Right? Yeah. So um, I think it's more they just they tend to know they're going to have like they'll just stop the show for a period of time otherwise. Yeah. Like um, if they think that that's going to happen. But, um, yeah, no, yeah. Uh, it's well, but we talked about what a standby was. I just want to mention that so that so like Elphaba has a standby, which is someone that just dedicated to that. Yeah, has role. to be at the theater every time. Just to, she doesn't otherwise go on in the ensemble like an understudy does. Yeah, or a swing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Elphaba isn't a character in the original book of The Wizard of Oz. So Gregory Maguire had to name her, obviously, and he took the initials of L. Frank Baum, who wrote the book uh, LFB, and used it to create the name Elphaba. Mm-hmm. Um, famously, Adina Menzel broke a rib during the matinee the day before what was to be her final show on Broadway. Um, she fell through a trapdoor, like, um, towards the end of the show. When so she, she melts. So Shoshana being her understudy had to finish out that show and then do what was to be Adina's final two shows. But Adina came on stage the next day at her curtain call and bowed yeah. with the company. This led to speculation that she'd fallen victim to the curse of Elphaba as Margaret Hamilton, who played the Wicked Witch of the West in the film version of The Wizard of Oz, was badly burned while filming a scene in Munchkinland. Yes. Um, Music-wise, there's many um, motifs and light motifs used throughout the score, but I just particularly wanted to mention the unlimited theme, um, which is actually the first unlimited. seven notes of, of Over the Rainbow um, in a different, like, uh, chord voicing and all these different things, but it is the, the first seven notes of Over the Rainbow mm. as an homage to the original film. Um, one thing that I've always found fascinating is that the amateur rights to Wicked have been available in Australia for over five years now, oh. but, like, nowhere else around the world. That is interesting. Yeah. I wonder if we're just far enough away. Well, yeah, I assume the thinking is that the professional production of Wicked won't be back here for some time. Yeah. Um, so it would be a revenue stream for them. But, you know, like whenever I tell people like in the US and the UK, like if it comes up in conversation when I'm there for work, they're just gobsmacked that that is that a thing. It can be a thing. Yeah. yeah. So um, I didn't actually get to see it um, because I was living in London at the time, but like Andrew, my husband, musical directed it for our local theatre here in 2016. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like it's done here quite regularly. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's interesting. I think it's the same thing like we've um, – well, uh, so Kinky Boots and Beautiful, like, there's been a few shows recently where I think certainly the rights here have come out earlier than they mm. have in other countries. Yeah. Which I think is interesting. Well, it's not like we're going to have a bunch of professional productions here. Yeah. Like people don't go to the theatre. And, and it's not like we have regional professional musical yeah. theatre like they do in America, it's for example. It's just the, like, the major cities and yeah. that's it. Because, you know, in America, like the equivalent of just like a small city would still often have a professional, professional theatre that yeah. does we musicals that. that is paid where, where the actors are paid. Yeah. That just doesn't exist in this country. No. Um. We have actually discussed this bef- before, but to me, Wicked is the number one offending show in terms of uh, cast that is Casting, disgustingly yeah. white that has no excuse to be. Most, so, uh, yeah, so of the 31 ensemble uh, members and swings currently listed on Wicked's Playbill Vault, Vault page, only five of them are performers of colour. Um, there are three principals who are people of colour, bringing the grand total to eight in the entire current company. So far. And it's just like, you're green. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no there's reason. There's no reason. So there's never been, so there's been, um, never been a principal person play either Elphaba or Glinda of colour. The only time, so Elphaba is it, green. Sorry, I'm just talking about Broadway. I just want to clarify. Elphaba is green. That's the only mention of her. Yeah. Glinda is blonde. That's the only yep. mention of anything. Like 
There is no mention of exactly. Oh my, and it's a made up world. Yeah, you can look like whatever you want. Yeah. Oh, it makes so, me so mad. Um, there's been now, I think, quite a few alphabet understudies and swings that have been people of colour. Yeah. And there's been a few alphabets who are um, Latinx um, or of Asian descent, but no one who's actually played played the role who's been yeah. a, a black woman. I think that's um, terrible. And then the very, for the first time ever that a Glinda of colour was like an understudy that went on last year. I think her name was Brittany Johnson. Mm. And, um, yeah, so in, in the UK um, there has been a, a black woman played Elphabar and, and that, but like again, it's just that is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. No reason for yeah, that. No reason. Except for racism. That's the reason. Correct. That's the reason. Um, so a couple of recordings you can listen to. Obviously, there is only the original Broadway cast recording of the actual. Yeah, we recording. haven't had like revival. There hasn't or... been anything else, but they've released a couple of special editions that are on Spotify that oh, were for anniversaries. Yay. So the uh, original Broadway cast deluxe edition has like some extra songs on it that are either like, um, some of them are like, uh, from other countries, like a a couple of the German songs, a Japanese version of a a song, things like that. And a couple of like pop covers of things. And same with the 15th anniversary special edition is similarly has like, one of them has like, um, because they did that special, that 15th anniversary special where Ariana Grande did, um, The Wizard and I, that's on there. And there's like all of the Elphabas and Glinda's sing for good together and Josephine's just giving me the most disgusting face. I just like can't think of anything worse. <laughs> Literally. You know that you know that show on SBS where you just watch like a train trip for like seven hours? That I'd rather great. watch that. That's quite relaxing. Yeah. I'd be on my phone the whole time. Exactly. Well, yeah. I would too. Um, so some gateway songs. So I've decided to go for kind of like a through line with my gateway songs, which is the journey of Elphaba and Glinda. So I've picked What Is This Feeling, which is when they hate each other at the beginning. Um, I've picked Define Gravity, which everyone knows as the big act one closer where Elphaba really finds her wings and literally flies. Does she have wings? No, it's a broom. You know what I mean? Oh, sorry. And for good, um, the duet they sing at the end that – Makes everyone cry. It doesn't. It doesn't make it's anyone cry. It's very pretty. I don't know how you could, like, like, objectively that is a pretty song. I think it's so cheesy. It's cheese on toast. So is, like, everything. What? So is, like, so much musical theatre is cheesy. Yeah, but this one's not doing it in a tongue-in-cheek way. Like, say Zombie Prom is cheesy, for example. It's poking fun. Wicked is unnecessarily sappy. I don't know how you can say that to me and then, like, love Finding Neverland. <laughs> yeah. But you know why I love Finding Neverland. Yeah, you got engaged the, the day you saw it. Okay, that's true. Well, I'll give you that one. But <laughs> I feel like there are other musicals that you love that are probably also just as cheesy as Wicked. Just, I just think that you've had a bad, like you now have had a bad ex- experience with Wicked and you're just like, I just nah. feel like every experience is a bad one with Wicked. <laughs> I just don't think that's true. I think it's great for kids. I think there's a really great message about like, women um like it's it focuses on the female story kind of yeah. thing which is good and it's also like about like <clears throat> like one of the things that's been incredibly popular about the show is that it is that thing of like the outcast mm. and her being the hero of the story that's mm. obviously what's really caught on with like a teenage audience for the show yeah but i also don't like that like the big villains are also women well the wizard's the biggest villain maybe <laughs> he's a dude yeah. Yeah, he's a bigger villain than Madame Morrible, definitely. Do you he's reckon? the villain. Is he a bigger villain than Glinda? Glinda's not a villain. She is. No, she's not. She learns oh, her she's lesson. She's awful. She learns her lesson. Too late. <laughs> 
I am not having a bar of this. I also just think like you have to admire some of the thea- like the theatrical nature of the show, like the, yes. the the way that the set and the costumes yeah. interplay with each other. The first time I saw it, I was very blown away by the the spectacle. The visual, of it. yeah. And, but that like to me, this is a spectacle show. Yeah, like that is what it is. And there's totally a place for that. And yeah. I, but I just feel like let's not pretend it's sort of high. But who you know, is? Well, I, I don't think, think we've. It's not ever done well critically. I think it didn't uh, get good reviews but I in think either a lot place. Of people talk about it as if it's some sort of deep, incredibly musical, like amazing score. Like this, the whole the rhetoric around it is so complimentary of the from the general public mm. that I just think you're wrong. Like it's at best mediocre. Mm. But what it looks like, incredible. Really incredible. Yeah, and look, I, I just I do disagree with you about like half the score. Like I do think that half the score is really well written. But do you think like in in isolation some yeah. of the songs maybe are, you know, palatable, mm. but together as a condensed score it's just too much belting. Like there's so much volume and there's just not enough like for me there's not sort of any it is a loud show i'll give you that it's just a bit too like it's quite modern in that way and then it's like they're really like like Like, making it loud at you here's another drum beat here's another loud song that you just feel like there's no sort of escape from the onslaught Mm. i don't i've not found that watching it like Mm. i i haven't felt like that onslaught maybe listening to it you might feel like that but because it is like song after song but no watching it i haven't found that Mm. um I think there's not enough balance in it for mm. sure. Yeah, interesting. Like I said, like it is one of those shows that got terrible reviews. Yeah. Well, not terrible. I read the New York Times review. It wasn't that bad. But it was like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that obviously has gone on to be incredibly successful. And great. Like I'm all for people having success. That's great. Mm. And, you know, like I've said before about other shows, however you find your way to theatre is fine. Yeah, and Stephen Schwartz still doesn't have his Tony, which is a shame. Yeah. He's still never won one. Should have for the baker's wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm amazed actually the Godspell isn't more popular, mm. to be fair. Do you think that – what do you think is his strongest score? Mm, Godspell. Yeah. What do you think? I, I, like maybe more Pippin than Godspell. No, probably Godspell. It's close. Yeah. It's definitely not Wicked. Not not as a whole no. thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Godspell. Yeah. That's my final answer. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, I just, I mean, I can see why it's so popular. Yes. Like I can see why it's so popular more than some other shows. I can see why it's so popular in a way more than like Cats. Oh, I was about to say the exact thing. Yeah. Like why? Why Cats? And I I especially can see it for like little girls um, Mm. in, in a way I don't think it nails the feminism thing. Sure, but, like, what does? And also, like, it was written by a dude. Um, yeah. Winnie Holtzman's a woman. But, like, yeah. you know, the music was written by a dude yeah. and the book was written by a guy. I'm not saying that if you don't nail it, you shouldn't try. Even no, though it well, that's, like that's am, an important yeah. point. Like, yeah. Go for it. Yeah. Give it a burl. Maybe it won't work. Maybe it'll be a wicked. Maybe you'll still get a billion <laughs> look, dollars. clearly, like, clearly people do think it's amazing, right? Of course. Yeah. What I do sort of miss, and obviously when you adapt a musical from a book, it's difficult to sort of, you know, transfer everything. But the book was so much more political. The, well, yes, the book was quite, and much more adult as well. Much like more the book adult. was um, It just wasn't as like fluffy and 
and like shiny. Yes, yes. It is definitely like a Disney version of the book. Yeah. Definitely. And, and obviously you had to that. take a lot of the complications out. Yeah. Like it was a much simpler version of the book. Yeah, it was just the characters were more nuanced and well, I mean, more nuanced than what they show up in the musical is not nuanced at all. <laughs> and but yeah, look, like, uh, that is a common criticism of the musical is that basically there's no acting required because it's not. such broad strokes. Yeah. And I would agree with that. Like I'm yeah. not disagreeing with that. And of course there's a place for that. Like, you know, yeah. take your entertainment. This is just entertainment. You it know? is. It that's, is. And that's fine. That's um, totally fine. And here's my thing. It's like when it's well done, I think it's good entertainment. And when it's not, I don't think it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, we enjoy zombie prom. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Um, you've destroyed your I did sound not, equipment. I did knock down the foam that was in front of me. The foam. The foam. Yeah. Not the phone. Not the phone. Um, Hold the phone. Anyway, so that's wicked. Well... Oh, I've disappointed you yet again. I really hate it. Yeah, I just don't know that I feel that strongly about any show. I do, once again, love that about you. (laughs) I mean that genuinely. Yeah. Nothing like, there's no show where I'm, there are shows, and this is the thing, like I always strive to understand. But the thing is with Cats, I'm like, I need to understand why everyone else, like why, not everyone, because obviously a lot of musical theatre people don't like Cats. But then I just go, well, what what do people love about this then? That's what I need to understand. What am I missing? You know, and and so with maybe cats, we're not smart enough because it's with, such an allegory. You know, like maybe no, we're just... it's not. No, as uh, as as Andrew as um how Prince will tell you, it's not. Andrew Andrew Lloyd Webber said to him, "It's about cats, Hal. Yeah, it's just about cats. <laughs> it's just about cats. There's nothing else. And that there. is and that's uh, that is the answer. I think that there was. I also think the other thing with cats is that it's a huge audience of um people who don't like non-English speaking audiences that can still enjoy a musical because it's there's it's no so story visual. to follow yeah. and it's just visual and there is a story. <laughs> there's no story. I well know. yeah it's about a bunch of cats competing to cats. go to heaven. Yeah. But there are there are sometimes there are elements of things where it's like people aren't enjoying things on the same levels, right? No, of course. And so it would be very boring world if that were the case. That's very true. And yeah. And so therefore I have that with lots of big shows, you yeah. know. I remember I remember seeing Lion King um, professionally the first time as an adult and kind of thinking like, don't get me wrong, the opening number is one of my favourite opening numbers so theatrically like that's ever done. But sitting there going, oh, it's it's a kid, it's a proper kids show. Yeah. And and going, oh, okay, right, I get it. Yeah. Like that is what this is. Yeah. You got to step back and just say that's what it is. Yeah, it's not really here for me. Is it true that next week we are tackling a big show that we don't necessarily like? Yeah, it's true. Wow. Yeah. Tell me why. Why are we doing uh, that? And we're doing well, it's our 30th episode. It's our 30th. So we decided that for some of our big round numbers, we're going to do the same show like we did it our, our like 20th we did for, Hamilton. for Hamilton. Yeah. So yeah. Do you want to tell everyone what it is? You should tell them. Okay. So next week we're going to do Phantom of the Opera. Oh. And we're both going to research it. Ooh. I'm excited. I'm excited for us to delve let's delve yeah because otherwise they will never talk about those shows like yeah it's funny certainly they're not ones that we would just sort of pick no i wouldn't just think off the top of my head like yeah yeah i think it's gonna be good i think it's gonna be good Mm, and there's lots to say so i used to be obsessed with the cast recording which one the original like michael crawford yeah michael crawford sarah Brightman. sarah Brightman. well that's you're gonna bring that to it i'll bring that yeah well you've already heard it Love it. Tune in. <laughs> um, well, please like and subscribe. Like uh, us, please. It really helps particularly um, on Apple other people finding the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, if you do it on 
on Apple Podcasts. I think it helps on Spotify as well. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. Particularly those places and like particularly reviewing the show. Yeah, a review would be really helpful. Please like us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter. Um, you at, can send us an email at myfavoritemusical at, at gmail.com. And we will see you on Thursday for the mixtape. And otherwise we'll see you next week for some Phantom. Woo! I wish you knew how to play it so you could just play it on the piano right now. Well, the piano's not even open. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye.